Hi, I'm Danny Hernandez, a member of Christian Bible Fellowship. Welcome to today's episode of the Shepherd LA podcast. Shepherd LA is a conference to inspire and connect like-minded church leaders for greater church health in Los Angeles. Learn more at shepherdla.org. As always, I'm joined by PJ Tobian, a pastor of Bethany Baptist Church in Bellflower here in Southeast Los Angeles. All right. So, Danny, you work for USC now. You used to work yep. for the Claremont Colleges. Yep. Safe spaces. What are safe spaces in colleges today, and are they a good idea? So this idea of safe spaces comes from this idea of like social justice and diversity, which is meant for students to learn and to not feel as anxious, to feel more comfortable kind of sharing their thoughts and their feelings regarding controversial or sensitive issues. However, you know, a lot of the critique that has sort of happened recently is oftentimes these safe spaces are more about comfort where folks feel, you know, that they're only safe spaces as long as everyone in these safe spaces sort of agrees with you. And won't um, hurt my feelings. Will, yeah, my feelings won't get hurt and no one will kind of challenge me. Well, actually, no one can actually promise that. There's risk. There's going to be risk involved because we're talking about sensitive and controversial issues. So even in higher ed, there's more of an awareness of no one can actually promise a safe space. But they still try to do it, don't they? Right. And, and, and they do. And, but a lot of a lot of it is shifting towards these ideas of brave spaces because... Hopefully. Hope, yeah, because there, there is risk involved. And, and part of that is the learning process. Uh, but yeah, there, there, a lot of folks still feel like safe spaces are about... More about your comfort, you know, being in a space where everyone sort of agrees with you, where your feelings are not going to hurt, where no one's going to sort of come at you or critique you. Okay. So at their best, then it's a it's a it's supposed to be a space where you can't necessarily where the bullies can't just run over everybody, yeah. but you're gonna have a, an opportunity to also speak up. Yeah, and in some ways, even that's a good thing. But but as a dean, and one of the challenges I ran into is I had to tell my students, well, you know, I can't promise you a safe space. In particular, if folks are going to be here and be welcomed here, who might actually have a different worldview or opinion of a matter that you don't have. Right. But that's part of learning, and that's sort of what the university and as an administrator, I sort of want to cultivate in my community. So they were looking for safety from hurt feelings. Yep. And from people disagreeing with them. And that's where it went bad. Yeah, I mean it's 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 about my comfort okay. and I don't want to feel any discomfort. Okay. Right. Safety from, from discomfort then. Yeah. Safety from unhappiness. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris. Chris Valencia is here, Saint Chris from Bethany Baptist Church. Hey Chris. Hi. Hey brother. Um so is the church a safe space? Is our church, he's a member of members of the same church. Is the church, is our church a safe space where your feelings will never get hurt and uh, you will always be happy <laughs> and um, we won't offend you or disagree with you? Yeah, I think Don't you love that about our church? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think um, our church is a safe space because it's the most safe space in the most real sense because you get what you need more than what you want and you will get your feelings hurt. So I think the church is is the safest space because it's going to give you what you need. Okay. So even though but it might hurt your feelings. It have, might have your hurt sure. have your feelings ever been hurt at our church? But sure. Have yeah. Have ever hurt your feelings? Really before? really bad. <laughs> And yet you feel safe, apparently, for whatever reason. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone either. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So that's what we want to talk about, right, Danny? Yep. And, well, in particular, we want to talk about our church's safe spaces for confession, in particular in confessing pornography. And we decided to talk about pornography because it's a big issue that churches and pastors face. Uh, Heath Lambert actually says that pornography is the greatest moral threat to the church 
the greatest moral threat that the church has ever faced, in fact. Wow. And he says that because it allows for a high level of hypocrisy. You know, you could easily just lie to others about it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, you know, having access to pornography was, was very difficult, but now it's it's available. It's anonymous. It's pretty much inexhaustible. So this is a problem that the church is facing and that many pastors are facing. So with that, PJ, as a pastor, as I feel overwhelmed and not knowing what to do and, and, and intimidated by how big of a problem this is, how do I help my church members start taking steps to actively fight against pornography? Well, I certainly would feel overwhelmed by the constant barrage of sin. Like you feel like you're preaching your heart out, you're discipling people mm. and you, you know, you do all these things and then like they take 10 steps back with porn, which is not just doing a one hour sermon, but porn is going to be tempting throughout the whole week, mm. week after week. So it could, it could be discouraging in that regard. But I do want to say, by the way, Heath Lambert's book is a good book. We'd recommend it, right? Finally yeah, free. Finally free. Yep. So go ahead and check that out if you're thinking about um, how to battle this. But I would say if it is the biggest threat to the church today, it's also the biggest opportunity mm-hmm. because it's going to force discipleship and relationships um, and confession yeah. in ways that, that are going to take relationships deeper if you use it for that purpose. It's actually going to bring people closer to God in different ways as well. So you're asking me how we do that or how pastors can cultivate that in their church. I really think that's the second question to ask, and maybe yeah. we could do that next episode. Yeah. What I want to do this episode is is ask the question, why mm. should people confess in church? Or yeah. why is the church a safe space? Because I would say, I would agree with Chris, that the church is the safest space in the world to confess in mm-hmm. and to confess a sin of pornography in particular. Mm-hmm. It's safer than, in some ways it's safer than marriages, even in terms of just being a new covenant community. So it's, it's the safest space. Now, the reason why I'm saying it's the safest space is not because it's a place where your feelings won't get hurt. There is no place like that. It's the safest space because the greatest threat to our safety is not hurt feelings or being disagreed with. The greatest danger to our lives is sin. Sin is our greatest threat. And so, therefore, the church is the safest space because grace is greater than sin, and the church is a community of grace yeah. that has relationships and a culture of grace. And so, if you think if you think sin and porn, your porn addiction, yeah. or your secrecy to porn, and your constant discouragement over porn, if you think that that's a bigger problem than being found out, then the church is the safest space. But if your if your biggest fear is being found out and and feeling a little bit more ashamed, at least initially, mm-hmm. then Satan's going to blow that up into the boogeyman. And you're going to feel like the last thing you're going to do <laughs> is confess sin. And right. you're just, if you believe that, if you believe the darkness is the safest place, you're in the most dangerous place. Because right. yeah. that is like, that's like giving steroids mm-hmm. to your sin and temptation. More temptation just to keep it in the dark there. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I think that's helpful. You know, it's just addressing the why before we get to the how. But before we even start, there might be some church leaders or, or pastors who maybe are, are tuning into this. And, and they might be thinking, you know what, PJ, this is just not an issue in my church. No one's confessed that to me. As far as I know, no one is having a problem with pornography. What would you say to, to that, brother? Well, Chris actually has a, a, a relationship with a pastor and had that similar conversation, actually. And just, wait, is this a problem? Can Chris, you want to tell us a little bit about, like, what would you say to a pastor who's like, oh, that's not a problem in my church? Yeah, I mean, I would be very concerned. I'd be very sad 
being that porn is so pervasive in our culture today, but I would just be thinking that maybe he's not really asking the right questions or really aware going of deeper into, or yeah, just be, being aware because it is so per- pervasive, it's kind of hard to imagine someone who believes that it's not. And I think in, in the case, at least with the pastor that, that you have a friendship with in this regard, I mean, especially if you're an older pastor, Mm-hmm. And you grew up in a generation without the ubiquity and availability of mm-hmm. porn on the phone. And so, like, it wasn't a struggle for you when sure. it came through. Mm-hmm. Right. You're just unaware of the of the tsunami mm-hmm. that is engulfing everyone under 35. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So, if you're a pastor and you're over 40, and when, when smartphones and all that came in, you already had a good handle on your self-control and purity, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's like, no... If it's 9 out of 10 guys who are struggling with pornography or looking at porn once a month, or is it 8 out of 10? I don't know. And then a lot of women as well. I think it's over 5 out of 10 or at least 4 out of 10. Um, I don't know the exact number, but it's a problem. And so if if a pastor said, oh, that's not a problem in my church, I would say he's probably not aware of of the situation. Yeah, and we would say, brother pastor, whether you realize it or not, this is a problem in your church and something you need to rethink. And if it's not, for whatever reason... You're, you're discipling people to make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. So they're supposed to disciple their, disciple their neighbors and others. So if for whatever reason your church right now is in a season where no one is struggling with it or very few, that's not going to last long if you're evangelizing and you're taking in new members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. No, thanks. Thanks for that. And, and as we, we think about the question why before we get to why the church is, is the before best. how. Or even before we address the why that we're talking about, why the church is the actual safest place to do this. Why do members or even pastors feel like the church is not? Why do people hide sin? Why does that happen in our local churches? Chris, thoughts on that, brother? Why do we hesitate as men? Yeah, I think we fear of being judged. Maybe we, our pride, we, we have this perception of ourselves that we're, we're better and, or we want to just put a front and don't want to really show just our sin, how dirty we are or how, you know, how sinful we really are. The fear of being rejected, not yeah. understood. Many, many things. Isolated. Embarrassment. Embarrassed. Oh, for sure. Embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Ashamed. Anything else you could think of, Danny? I have a few other ones, but... Uh, you know, I, I think some of us, I think we believe the lie that we can get away with it mm-hmm. because right. it is so anonymous. No one has to find out. Yeah. And, and so I've struggled with just being a functional hypocrite mm-hmm. where I have this sin in my life, but I believe the lie that I can keep this in this box where it won't affect other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And as long as I keep this to myself, no one will ever find out and it won't impact anything. And right. you begin to function as a, a hypocrite. So, so there's, like, there's like a delusion of control. Absolutely. You're completely oh, yeah. deluded, but you are convinced. Oh, yeah. Sure. I got this. It's yeah. only staying in this box. Yeah. And you don't think you're, you're affecting anyone else. You think it's just you... And no one else is being affected by that sin. Okay, so, so one of the reasons people don't confess is because they're deluded yeah. in that regard. Like just, There's a sense of control where Satan actually is controlling them, but they really think they're in control. And if you really think about it, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's at the root of pornography. It's it's my pride and, and my control and how I want this, when I want it. and What I want to look at. Exactly. And so yeah. in some ways, it, it works that way out in terms of your, your hypocrisy and you hiding that sin. There's a well. false sense of control. Absolutely. Man, Satan and sin are so sneaky. Yeah. Um, I think another reason why people don't confess is they've been hurt by past churches and they've been hurt by pastors and others. Mm-hmm. I think a reason pastors and leaders don't confess is because they're scared they're going to lose their job. Mm-hmm. They're scared they're going to lose their ministry position. Mm-hmm. 
And so they don't trust grace. And, and and it's so difficult if you don't have a church or where pastors may be asking these questions or even making this a topic to discuss. If no one's talking about it, then why why would I be the first to kind of take that first initial step to talk about? You know, you're talking about the pastor or just or anybody. Just a member. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. like if oh, no yeah, one's talking about it, like right, um, am I going to be the first one to, to talk about it? Maybe as as Chris said, like maybe I'm just it's just me that has this issue and nobody else because everyone seems like they got it together. Yeah. And maybe kind of segueing into the main topic here, Mm -hmm. um, the biggest reason people don't confess sin in the church probably and and, um, lust and pornography in particular is because they don't think it's a safe place. They literally feel like it's a danger to confess to those in their church. Right. So we need to clarify something right at the start. When we say confessing in church, are we saying that it's sort of like a priest, like a Roman Catholic priest, <laughs> false Catholic priest, Roman so-called Catholic priest, where it's like if you confess to your church members, then that's kind of, they'll, they'll absolve you of your sin and, and you'll do penance and that's how you're forgiven. Is that what we're saying? No, I mean, absolutely not. I, I just think it's we don't want to cultivate a community where everyone seemingly has it all together or, as we were saying earlier, just ignoring that this is an actual problem right. just because okay. it is so pervasive. So then why are you confessing it if it's not to get forgiveness? I mean, if, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? First John 1, 9. So, but James five sixteen is the one is saying, confess your sins to one another. Why do we need to confess sins to one another if confession is not what we need for forgiveness? If, con- if me confessing my sins to Chris is not what I need for forgiveness necessarily, or at least initially or primarily for my walk with God, why confess to Chris at all? Isn't it just good between me and Jesus? Thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Well... I think the, the hope that we need to change comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think in order for us to actually make some steps and actually fighting this in, we need to do that together. We yeah. can't do it on our own. Right. Many people are trying to do it alone. I think that's where you, you run into problems. And I think that's why a lot of folks, like I said, can become functional hypocrites. Right. Um, and so we need other brothers and sisters. So, we need other folks to change. Okay. To change. Okay. So yeah. basically we, what we're talking about here is we're saying confessing sins to one another. James 5.16 is not for your, it's not initially or primarily for your forgiveness. That comes in confessing your sins to Christ. Mm-hmm. But for help. Mm-hmm. You confess sin for help in killing sin. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So that that's what we're saying. We're not talking about um, your your forgiveness depends on. Though sometimes true repentance would be manifest in confession. Right. If you don't confess your sins to others, it's valid to question genuine repentance. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, at the same time, so but I just want to be clear here. The reason we're encouraging people to confess sins to their churches and to those in their church is because we want them to get help. Uh, John 3 talks about men loving darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Mm-hmm. But when you bring your sins to the light, by its very nature, light weakens or it overcomes the darkness. Mm-hmm. And bringing your sins to light, by its nature, it weakens sin immediately. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take it away completely, but it weakens it. And so don't you want your sin and temptation to be weaker? Well, then keep running to the light and keep confessing. All right. But, but we want to answer the, the bigger question here uh, structurally. Why is the church the safest place? To confess and safer than your accountability group with your your Christian friends from your your Christian college or from your your past churches. Family. Why is your or even your family, your family members? Why is the church the safest space in confessing sin in general and pornography in particular? I have four reasons. I'll go for the first two first. If you guys have questions or pushback or comments, we could do that, and then we'll go last two. So the first two reasons. Mm-hmm. Number one, church is the safest space. Because the church is a group of self-conscious sinners who cannot condemn you. They can't do it. I mean, they can't do it really. I mean, they're self-conscious 
uh, sinners because that's why they join the church. To be a Christian, you have to admit you're a sinner. If you believe Matthew 7, 1 through 5, then you believe that you have logs in your eye. Even though you have specks in your brother's eye, you have logs in your eye. So how can I condemn you for a speck when I have a log mm-hmm. in my eye? So, so the church is a place where, where self-conscious sinners, they're not surprised by sin. They expect it. At their best, a church expects it. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, that's why a church is a safe place, because you're, you're, you're telling self-conscious sinners. The second reason why the church is the safest space and place or a group of people to confess your sins to is because the church is a group of redeemed sinners who experience growth in grace. I'm going through the Beatitudes right now, or we just finished it in our church. So um, the church is a group of people who are poor in spirit. Uh, they know they're bankrupt before the Lord spiritually. They mourn over their sin and brokenness and the sin and brokenness of others. It's hard to be self-righteous when you're mourning um, and you're getting comfort from God in His grace. They're humble and gentle. Um, they hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are compassionate. Blessed are the compassionate, for they shall receive compassion. So they care about those in need. And then they're pure in heart, not because they're perfect in their purity, um, but because Christ has cleansed them in the new covenant, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. And so they are peacemakers. The church is a group of people who want you to be at peace and to enjoy your peace with God and peace with others. So if, if I'm sinning in giving into pornography, Chris is going to want me to be at peace with God relationally and experientially. So he's going to confront me. And then he's going to want me to enjoy peace with my wife. So he's going to want me to confess to her mm-hmm. and try to figure out how to fix that relationship as well. Mm-hmm. So the church is a place of humble, broken, mourning, compassionate peacemakers. What better group to, to, to confess into than to that group that Christ has transformed and redeemed by grace? So, so that, that should keep the church from being self-righteous. And that should keep the church ministering grace rather than judgment. Even though they might be judging and saying, hey, that's wrong. That's a judgment call. But they're not finally condemning you. Thoughts or pushback on that or questions on that? I just think it's it's encouraging, you know, the, the idea. And I think that's where it sort of starts to, to have an awareness that we all are sinners. Because I think when we have that awareness, then we understand that part of what we're doing here is helping one another to run the race of the Christian life well. You know, right. to, to get to, to the new heavens and the earth mm-hmm. well together. And so if we have that awareness, I think we're going to have a different sort of view um, and compassion and gentleness and grace when helping and trying to encourage other brothers and sisters. And I think when we know that also, it keeps us from some of the temptations we talked earlier about hiding sin because no one can condemn you. Right. And we're already justified in Christ. And, and that's, at the end of the day, the verdict that matters most. It's Christ's righteousness. And so mm-hmm. we've been justified by his blood. And uh, remembering that good news and having others push us to that good news is what we need to change. And right. so uh, having those two things in front of our mind, the idea that, you know, we no one can condemn us and we're all trying to change together and we're all in a process, I think is, is encouraging. Right, but have you guys been part of churches, not to throw any churches publicly under the bus here, but have you been part of churches where where it's even with these realities, this is what the church is supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? Mourning, poor in spirit, compassionate, peacemakers, and the church is supposed to be self-conscious, mm-hmm. yet some churches have been condemning and self-righteous, and that, that's a temptation for all of us all the time. Right. So um, have you guys ever experienced churches not being safe in that regard? Sure, I, I have. Definitely, okay. yeah, I have. I mean, I'm very thankful for different the, the growth that I've, I've been able to experience and the grace I've been been able to experience through other churches but with porn i think in particular yeah i think it's just it's so difficult to speak out and to to believe that you're going to get help when it's not coming up right you know so when when you don't see people showing other people grace in this area 
it's you feel like you're not going to get help. It kind of reinforces your fear. Right. Fear right. of rejection, fear of isolation, right. fear of shaming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to quote Heath Lambert here again, but he, he says, God is not. I accept interested. your apology. Yeah. <laughs> God is not interested in empowering your fight for purity while protecting your fight for pride. Hmm. Um, because the first step is humbling yourself and admitting that you're weak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've been a part of churches where even though there's an awareness of this sin um, and even this sin actually impacting the ministry of some of the members, mm-hmm. that that is actually not shared to the members or people are not transparent or open mm-hmm. about their battle with this sin. So it sort of sends mixed messages about this. Yeah. So on one end, yes, we know this is a problem. Yes, we know this is a sin, but we're not going to, we're not going to fully share what's going on here because right. we want to protect to save face or we want to kind of protect ego or sure. And, and so to me, you know, that can confuse some of the members where mm-hmm. yes, maybe I can be a little messed up in this way, but maybe I've gone too far with my sin or, right. The way I have engaged in pornography is too much for for folks to handle here. Yeah. So I think there there's a danger there of which I again appreciating the the idea like this is not this sin that's like way out there like we're all sinners we're all in need of grace mm-hmm. and every if, single member every single pastor yeah and, and and so we can't run the risk of kind of seeing this ex, this sin as an extraordinary sin yeah that you know we we don't know what to do with or or we try to save as much face as possible when it comes to this. So unfortunately I, I've experienced that. Right. So this brings me to the, la- the last two reasons here, why the church is the safest space or why it ought to be. Cause we do admit it's not always the safest space, right. but it ought mm-hmm. to be here. Are the two other reasons. Uh, the, the third reason is because grace is constantly renewing the church. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the community. It's the group. This group of people are constantly every week hearing the word preached they're hearing about Christ's death and resurrection. They're hearing about forgiveness of sin. They're hearing about the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. And they're taking communion together. So so in these ways, as they're constantly being renewed in grace through expository preaching, gospel-centered preaching, biblical theology, the gospel being articulated again and again, and gospelizing conversations um, they're seeing converts who have repented from their sins and trusted in Christ again and again every week. Mm-hmm. This is the one community that doesn't just, oh, we started by grace, but every week it is central. Mm-hmm. Grace is central to the church mm-hmm. just by the practices of the church. So so that's why this church, this group of people ought to be the safest group to confess your sins to. The fourth and last reason I have here, um, and this kind of gets to some practical stuff that we'll talk about in our next episode, is... The church is the safest space, or it ought to be, because Christ structured the church for the Christian's growth. And what I mean by that is the church is not just gospel-centered. That was the last point, Grace Renews. The church is gospel-shaped. And what I mean by shaped is the shape of the church is the members of the church. It's membership. The, the shape of Bethany Baptist Church are the 71 members of Bethany Baptist Church. That is who makes up Bethany Baptist Church. So you have Christ has given you a particular identifiable group of people. Mm-hmm who have trusted in Christ and who are mutually responsible for each other's discipleship, not just individually, but collectively. And so, so that, that's what makes the church. Christ gave us a structure. We have a church covenant. We have a commitment to each other. We take communion publicly, regularly. And uh, we have the sense that I need every member of my church and they need me. We need each other. 
And Christ gave that to us. He gave us a church that's structured with discipleship, where there's a community and culture of grace and transformation and repentance and restoration and discipline and kindness and leaders who are modeling mature Christianity, which is not behavioralism Mm -hmm. or moralism, but they're modeling repentance and faith. And when you have leaders who do that, as they ought to be doing that, then that that, that structure is a gift from Christ to you. And so in this structure of formal relationships, membership, you have established relationships in the church. You have everyone who's part of that church. You can assume that they have the Holy Spirit living within them and they have the word of God written on their hearts. So you can assume that they can help you even if they don't struggle with that particular sin. They won't be okay with your sin, um, but they'll still love you and they'll, they'll practically help you follow Christ, the word and the spirit. And because of our covenant commitment to one another, what that means is if I confess my sin to Chris, he can't run from me. Mm-hmm. Because we're committed to each other. Right. And the church can't run from me. They actually have to stay here and help me. Uh, there's a covenant commitment. I can't run from you. You can't run from me. And so there's a baseline of trust. Just like in marriage. If you have the ring, you know, there's a covenant there. She can't run. I can't run. So there's a safety there, even though it's scary because mm-hmm. we're feeling ashamed. Yeah. But um, there's a safety there in the covenant commitment. And then um, with that structure, when Christ gives you a church, he doesn't just give you a, a group of people that you're in covenant commitment with. He gives you a group of people that you're going to see every week. Right. That's why Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, don't neglect meeting together. Mm-hmm. So if I see Chris every week and he sees me every week, um, that proximity of life and interaction that makes our relationship stronger. That deters sin more. And it makes me harder to be, it makes it harder to be a hypocrite. Because let's just be honest, hiding sin and, and being hypocritical, it gets tiring. Now, some people might be able to hold it for a long time, but it's eventually going to crack, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you guys might want to, I don't know if you guys want to share anything about it, but like trying to keep up the, the face, it gets tiring because it's not really what's going on. And so um, on the flip side, when Christ gives you church, he gives you a church that when people start missing and isolating themselves, he's letting you know that these people need attention. And so even if you want to run away, the people are going to chase you anyways. What a gift mm-hmm. from the Lord to give you people who are going to notice you leaving and they're going to chase you anyways. So this is the safest group of people um, because Christ has structured this group of people and given them rhythms and practices that make them the best group of people, some among them that you should be confessing the sin of pornography to. Yeah, I think I've been able to experience God's love and grace through my church family in in being able to confess pornography and my my battle with it. And um, I mean, it, for a long time, it was it was easy for me because I wasn't meeting up regularly. It was easy for you to to hide to hide to hide. But the moment I started meeting up with a group of guys and they would share their burdens, confessing their sins, just sins in general. Not just porn, but just... Yeah, right. Perfect. And then seeing the mutual grace that they would share and the encouragement, I thought, wow, like all I need to do is confess and that's where I'm going to get help. Because the moment I confess, we're shedding light in the darkness. And that's actually the passage I remember we were reading. We were reading First John 5, you know, that there cannot be darkness in the light. And hearing truth after truth after truth after grace, it's become so tiring to hide Confession looked a lot more appealing because I saw freedom. I saw grace. I saw, I, I felt that I would be accepted, you know? And so having that culture, having the ability to meet regularly was just so necessary for, for my soul. Right. And, and in your story, Chris, I mean, 
part of the, the cool thing about, I mean, every story is cool in God's grace in different right. ways. Yes. But the uniqueness on your side of it is for you, you were hiding for a while mm-hmm. and then you just kind of came out on your own. Like it wasn't like you got caught and someone confronted you. It was like you just got tired and you're like, I just need to say something to you. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you were there, and and I think it just it was literally a weight on my shoulder. Like it was just so heavy, and I felt like I could not walk. I could not carry this anymore. And again, hearing truth, seeing grace to other people. <laughs> yeah, just around me, I thought, what am I doing? Not sharing, you know. And so I think that was just God's goodness and His grace in my life. Giving me just the ability to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to confess. Right. So if there's any pastors listening, or I mean, if any non-pastors listening to, to this, just to give an idea, Chris, how many months was that about from from first coming to the church till where you felt free, if you could, where you finally were like, you know what, why am I not doing this? Because you saw grace a lot exercised. But yes. You it's, I mean. You didn't finally trust it until, you didn't feel safe until. I would say almost a year. Yeah. Almost So, so be encouraged if you're listening. Like, um, it's not, e- I, I'm, I'm telling pastors now, even if you have that culture to some degree, that doesn't mean people are going to automatically just be like, oh, now everyone's going to confess their sins. Even when people are believing it, sometimes it could take a while. And that's okay. You just keep going. Like, don't be discouraged if you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Just keep going and keep cultivating it, which is what we're going to talk about next episode. Dan, you want to share anything from your story before we? Yeah. I mean, I was uh, the not cool side of it in, in the sense that, <laughs> in the sense that I, I didn't come out with my sexual morality when I was... Uh, struggling with sexual morality on my end or, or, you know, fighting my battle in many ways, losing that battle. So I, I hid my sin for a year and a half and it wasn't until the other person that was involved and, and brother sort of confronted me about it. And even then it was like pulling teeth and, and still wasn't willing to come open. Mm-hmm. But, but I do think that's why it is so important to have a community right. that is actually cultivating this because it for shows me, the coolness or the grace from the other side. Right. Cause for me, I, I, <laughs> I want to be cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, God is cool, right? God's yeah. the cool I mean, it, yeah. I thank God for his grace in it. And it was such a mercy yeah. for him to bring this in out of my life. Um, but, but the reason I bring that up is because as I said, there, there's a certain level of hypocrisy and I was this hypocrite where, uh, PJ, you're my accountability partner at the time. And, and you would make it a point to ask me these questions and quite frankly, I would just lie to you. And it was yeah. easy to lie because of the arrogance that was behind it. Um, and the sense of control that you thought right. you had. And, and even when I did try to share a bit of it, I, I tried to clean it up or to share it in such a way where it was a respectable, non-embarrassing sin. Like, oh, I have a struggle with these things. And, yeah. and there was a struggle with, with not only pornography, but sexual morality. Um, but when you have a culture that is preaching the gospel and there is that level of constantly those questions. Like for me, it wasn't just sort of lying to one person. It was lying to all these groups of people. And, yeah. and even after going through that, um, seeing the hurt that I had caused, realizing that these types of sins do have consequences mm-hmm. that impact others. Essentially, my eyes being open that I was actually never in control. This sin was actually controlling my life. Right. And just the joy that it was robbing me from enjoying the Lord. So I, I think for me, it was it was such a great mercy. But I think I was able to sort of grow through that and experience God's grace in the way I did because I belonged to a community who held me accountable, who even after I was found out, walked me through the process, not only seeing like, oh, you know, stop doing those things and, and the morality aspect, but what were the idols behind that mm-hmm. um, and helping me really dig into my heart, which I think for me has been so helpful in my battle against sexual morality after that, yeah. which I'm so thankful for. 
So, I mean, yeah, it's just an evidence of God's grace in my life. But, but I do want to say to any brothers that are listening that are hiding their sin right now, mm-hmm. even brothers, if you're a pastor, uh, Numbers 32, 23, your sin will find you out. Um, so my plea would be for you to bring that sin into the light, confess your sin. Your identity is not found in your ministry or you being a pastor. It's found in Christ. And uh, you don't have to be a hypocrite and hide. Uh, mm-hmm. Bring that sin into the light. Do not continue to hide. That path is the path to death. Yeah. And that is not the path you want to be on. Yeah, in Romans 2, 4, it's true. You might not feel like it's true when you're hiding it, but it is true. The kindness of God leads you to repentance. I mean, just Amen. from your guys' stories, it's like, you, you think that it's not kind. But, like, when you come to God, mm-hmm. you're not going to get this cranky God who's going to, you know, throw a lightning bolt from heaven. Yeah. and strike you you're going to get this gracious father prodigal son type father right who who picks up his clothes and runs down the street and embraces you and hugs you and tries to you know put his robe on you and put his ring on you and, and give you the best celebration ever because he's that kind of god christ died for our sins and rose from the dead he paid for it so mm-hmm. that we would celebrate grace and not fear mm-hmm. yeah. you know um, so, so anyway, I, I, you know, two other encouragements. Thank you, Danny, for that. Yep. Two other encouragements with it is that it takes time and patience. So, like, um, even when Danny's talking about the year and a half, even even on the road back, it was a long process, right? Yeah. And yeah. yet, yet you got to stick with it. Like, mm-hmm. um, you got to stick with your church family. You even had a church transfer in the middle of that, right. but even, but like sticking with a church family. And continuing to walk, um, those things are so helpful that the church is still the safest place. Like that's where you're going to get, that's where you're going to find um, God's mercy and grace, the body of Christ, really. And then one other thing I'd say to pastors, um, just in light of what Daniel was sharing, when 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 the Bible says for in First Corinthians thirteen, love believes all things. As a pastor, you don't have to figure out when people are lying to you. Like Danny said, Numbers 32, 23, your mm-hmm. sin will find you out. Don't stress as a pastor and be like, is he lying to me? Is he not? You know, it's not about being gullible. It's about literally trusting God and just believing the best about people and letting it come out when it's time for it to come out. Right. So don't try to investigate ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Just be loving people and enjoying the conversations and asking the hard questions and then answering the hard questions about your own life mm-hmm. and then just letting, just you know, just, just going with it. So I guess my final call to everyone who's listening here, especially to pastors, because uh, this is a pastor's podcast, sharing their church leaders, is clearly... Understand and articulate to your people why the church is the safest place. Again, it's because these are self-conscious. This is a group of self-conscious sinners. This is a group of redeemed sinners. This is a group where grace is constantly renewing them. It's gospel-centered. It is a group that Christ has structured for your victory over pornography and for everyone's victory over different sins as they continue to grow. So, So that's why articulate those reasons and believe that and, and teach that to your people so that they feel safe. If you don't do that, you might continue to preach the gospel faithfully, but people continue to hide their sin and undo a lot of what you're doing with your teaching. Right. But if you do believe this and if you do articulate it, you might start, um, I mean, people might feel more and more welcomed mm-hmm. by the kindness of God to want to confess. Yeah. So tell them that it's safe mm-hmm. and, and believe that. And we'll talk about what that, how does that look practically in the next episode. All right. Well, thank you, brothers, for this conversation. Uh, We hope it's been edifying to all of you who are listening.